devil in the detail. <laughs> Hello, what's this week's Devil in the Detail podcast? I'm Rob Paxson, and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. I've got a special guest on the show uh, today. We've got Chris Atkin, uh, Salford Devils halfback, and tell us all about his career. Looking forward to this, uh, Chris. Hi Rob. Uh, yeah, obviously uh, looking forward to obviously chatting over a few things and you know looking back at my career. Yeah, oh, obviously we'll start at the very beginning, uh, Chris. Born in 1993. Uh, what was it like uh, growing up in Widnes? Yeah, obviously it's a you know it, it always has been a, a massive rugby town and you know a lot of my earliest memories are, are probably going, you know, watching the likes of Widnes, probably watching my dad um, and and most of my family as well. Really, that you know. Our families has sort of grew up, grew up with rugby, and we've all you know played it through the generations. And um, even now, you still have the you know the stories with my granddad and my dad and my uncle. So yeah, it's probably revolved a lot around rugby and and then a, a rivalry in football, really, with probably Liverpool and Everton splitting the family. Yeah, yeah. You, you say your dad was a, a local uh, successful sportsman. What what was it? What was his uh, special sport he was into? Um, so it was rugby union. Won the Lancashire Cup if I remember correctly, playing for Witness Rugby Union and, and Birchfield Rugby Union, two of like the local rugby union sides and, you know, flipping back and two between between the two. And like I say, a lot of probably people that I grew up with, you know, adult, you know, come through through meeting and through my dad and, you know, those connections of, of where I then went to play a little bit of rugby union myself and when I had a little bit of a break from rugby league. Yeah, how, how did you get into rugby league? Was it a choice at the time whether you're going to go into rugby union kind of full tilt, or or was it rugby league, or was it just a bit of both for a lot of time? Yeah, it was a bit of both. Probably, you know, what a lot of my friends were doing at the time was playing a bit of rugby, and and then in the in the summer, I suppose playing a bit of football. So it was sort of mixing between the two, um, and then I think it may, really my only first you know experience of rugby league was in high school and that's where I sort of started my pathway of you know I think rugby league was going to be the sport you know I progressed in and sort of committed to. Yeah uh, you, you you picked up uh, by witness uh, when when you when you were when you were young what was it like getting signed up for the for your local team? Yeah obviously it was massive there was you know I think back back when we were coming through probably not the same as it was or is now you know there's a real buzz about coming through the pathway of you know, being part of a system from such a young age, I think it was like under 11s that you you sort of start that town team route. And and that was the the thing that everyone looked forward to, to, to be a part of that squad. You know, so then sign at Witness at sort of 14, 15 and become part of that, you know, proper pathway leading up to an academy was, you know, was a massive, massive moment for myself and my family. And, you know, it, it sort of showed that that was probably the right decision to pursue rugby league. Yeah, you, you played... you. Obviously went through the uh, the different levels. Play for was it England students in in 2013? Tell us tell us about that. What was that about? What was that like? Yeah, so obviously um, you know things didn't go the way I particularly wanted to at Witness, um, right. and sort of the the changes in that structure and system that I mentioned sort of led to quite a few players like myself to to fall down the league into Championship and whatever else. But I was fortunate. I was at university and I sort of decided that, you know, through a couple of my mates on the course that they taught, taught me around into co- coming down to training and, and sort of started enjoying rugby again. You know, there was no pressure about performing. It was going out and having a, a good time and, you know, sort of wanting to win because of the lads around you and you, you did it for each other. And 
that progressed to uh, opportunities to play for the North West and then be part of an England setup that fortunately was a, a World Cup year and we were, you know, really successful as a team and we got all the way to the final. Unfortunately, obviously come up against Shaw against um, the Australians as we, we seem to do quite often. Yeah, you, you went to university. Is it John Moore's university? Yeah, Liverpool, John Moore's. Yeah. So then was it was it PE? Yeah, sport development. And then obviously once I graduated there, I went on to complete my sort of teacher training during that 2014, 15 sort of season, you know, alongside playing and sort of took a job then, um, which, you know, the, the role in the teaching job sort of allowed me to sort of finish at three, four o'clock and, and get to training and be able to, you know, commit to, to rugby as much as I wanted to. And I, you know, I did have a bit of flexibility in that, but it did also require a lot of commitment on those days off to catch up on things. Yeah, you played a very high level by, by the look of it at the, the sort of university level. Uh, you played with the Great Britain and Ireland Academic Lions. You played against the Great Britain teachers, uh, the Great Britain police and the armed forces. What what was that like playing against teams like that um, in your development? Yeah, I think you know, along along with that progression through the championship levels, that sort of put me against men, really. You know, growing up, you, you sort of playing under 18s, under 19s, under 20s, and you don't always get that exposure of, of playing against you know, adults and, and, you know, blokes that have played for 20 years or 15, 20 years. So, you know, having that experience with with sort of a young, youthful university group really probably prepared us for moving, you know, on with our careers, but prefer, prepared us for a tour that we went on down into into South Africa at yeah. the end of that season. Yeah, I was, I was going to come on to the, to the tour. Uh, you, you toured South Africa. Did you go to Cape Town and play a, a game there as well? It says you did a lot of... Uh, was it shark diving, uh, barbecues? I bet that sounds like an amazing experience that you, that you went through there. Yeah, I mean that probably tipped tipped those three or four years that I did have away from the professional game that I was I was allowed to have these opportunities and you know figure out what I wanted to do and and where I wanted to take my career and you know that experience was you know second to none. There was you know such a good group of lads that we'd come through the sort of from that World Cup the year before to competing against the army and the teachers, those those sort of teams that, you know, we bonded over a period of time and, you know, to go away for those two weeks, we went to Johannesburg and Cape Town and, you know, got to do those, like you mentioned, the shark diving and a bit of surfing, going to Soweto, obviously Nelson Mandela and seeing, you know, sort of the history behind South Africa that, you know, I, I still talk about with a few of the lads when we do catch up that, you know, the memories that we made for, for a lifetime. Yeah, obviously going through that sort of pathway, would, would you kind of advise sort of the kids coming through if they if obviously they don't get through the academy uh, sort of level to, to try and get through the university process to see if they, they can follow you on that process that you went through? Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I'm not going to claim to be the first, you know, person that's gone through university and, and made it back up into Super League. And I, I definitely don't think I'll be the last. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of quality coming through the academies and then it gets to a certain point that, like myself, you might not be given that full-time contract or be given that opportunity. So, you know, you have to look at uh, other options and pursue different different things. So um, that university 
route is one that I would definitely recommend because there is that pathway at the university level and I've been back, you know, previously been able to go back and, and work with and talk to the coaches, you know, about my experiences because, you know, the players, there, there is still that belief and, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have admitted it to anyone at the time that I was, you know, I was playing that to get back to Super League or to get an opportunity. It was just about enjoying rugby and yeah, you know, if something happened, then great. Um, but it was about making those memories and enjoying that being in the moment, really. So um, I think the way moving forward with Super League, I think it's, you know, bringing reserves back. There's players that are in that university level that could be a big part of, you know, helping clubs progress back to having a, you know, a full reserves team. Yeah. Uh, you you were you were on fire at that point, and you were picked up by uh, Swinton Lions uh, in 2014. Tell, so, tell us about how that sort of occurred. So yeah, I mean, at the time I was I just agreed to go on a trial um, over at Whitehaven, and um, not many people probably remember or even aware of it, but I did a month or two over Christmas travelling up, thanks to Stu Wilkinson, um, who had worked with at Witness, and then during that all got in touch I'd obviously seen something through the the students and my name must have come up so you know the, the club were trying to rebuild and um, he asked if I wanted to go down but obviously I'd committed to a, a sort of trial at Whitehaven and I said look I said I understand that the opportunity might not be there in a couple of weeks but until I see this through this trial that I'd committed to um, you know I won't be able to come down and it one thing for uh, you know whatever reason it didn't work out at Whitehaven and I took an opportunity at Swinton and um, obviously come down, work with Wattle for, you know, six months, uh, got to know like to Marlon, who's at the club now. And, you know, really enjoyed that first year of, of getting to know the lads that, you know, Richard Hawkyard, Mike Morrison, you know, you, you Swinton sort of legends. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for the the opportunity that Wattle gave me on sort of getting me back into the professional rugby environment. Yeah, you, you had some some good years at Swinton. You were part of the, the, the team that got promoted in, was it 2015? You were a bit of a, a hero in the, in the semi-final with a, uh, was it a golden point drop goal in the, in the last minute to get him through to the final? That That's pressure. That what Do you remember about that particular game? I remember that, you know, we, we'd finished, I think, second and that got us a, a sort of home draw against York or third or whatever it was where, where we needed the home you know, home support of, of Swinton that we'd sort of relied upon quite a few times that season. And um, I remember the game sort of going, you know, being really close back and forth. And then we went behind just before the end the end of the game. And I got pressured uh, for a drop goal and flipped the pass out to my half-back partner who, you know, in, again, in a pressure moment, come up clutch and, and sort of knocked it over. So that put us into golden point and, you know, grateful that we worked our way downfield and got the opportunity and, and we took it sort of first time, if I remember. And I think it was a, a massive relief that we knew that that York team that year had, you know, the, the chance to go all the way themselves. And, you know, we did we did enough to get through and we went into a, a final at Widnes, sort of confident. And we played them a few times that season and we just we just sort of wanted to get to get out there and play the game again. Yeah. And it, obviously, a fantastic experience at Swinton. Uh, the fans even talk about, you know, I've got uh, friends who are Swinton fans, and, and they, they see you as a like an icon, really. And um, does that make you sort of sort of happy that like see fans even now sort of look at you in this in this this light? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Obviously, I had a great time 
at Swinton and was part of a you know really successful team that we brought a lot of young lads through and um, lads from Wigan and other other Super League sides that come out and you know really contributed and we, we created you know such a grant such a strong you know knit group but yeah obviously still in touch with a few of the Swinton fans and they obviously contact me every now and again and happy seeing me do well but probably a few that you know, a bit reluctant to, to wish me well playing for Salford now with that rivalry. But it was great, you know, to play against Swinton at the start of the season, back in pre-season. So, you know, see a few old faces and, and catch up. Yeah. Um, you were playing well at Swinton and then Hull Kingston Rovers uh, sort of came uh, interested in you. Uh, did you obviously jump at the chance for, for that to happen? Yeah, definitely. There was, you know, a few, a few clubs that I'd spoke to and a bit of interest. And knocking about, but obviously that year with Swinton, we were going well as a team. Uh, I was fortunate to to sort of be a part of it again. And then, like I say, the opportunity to go, you know, to a club like KR, you know, with with the history and you know the success that they wanted to get back into Super League at the the first call of asking was you know a massive opportunity and to go full time and you know st- hopefully have been part of a Super League team for 2018 would have was an opportunity sort of too good to turn down. And, you know, through different circumstances, uh, it turned out that I ended up going going in at the back end of 2017 to, to be a part of that promotion push um, in the middle eight, which, again, was another opportunity I didn't think I would have got a couple of years earlier. So it was grateful to sort of get that opportunity. What was what was the sort of the jump like? jumping standard like going from obviously university to to swint and then to hawking through always was there sort of much of a, a difference really i think obviously from the university you know to super league there is a big jump and yeah. had a sort of made that transition in one go and um, i might have felt a bit felt a bit out of depth but because it did have that progression with swinton you know i got opportunity at championship level before we dropped back down into to league one and as a team, we we sort of developed each week and progressed, and and that helped me progress, you know, to to where I am now, and to I'm I'm constantly looking to improve. It. And you know, that's something I've spoke about this year and and the previous two years that I'm not happy with where I'm at. I know there's always more that I can I can do and more that I can work on to to try and make myself that sort of complete player, pushing for as high as I can go. There was obviously a fee between Swinton and All Kings Rovers. Did that sort of add any extra pressure to, to yourself? No, I think you know, that was something that um, Hockey had, you know, looked to give Swinton as a, a sort of compensation fee. But there was no, you know, recognition for myself. It was, you know, some something part of the deal, and it helped the club in in what way, you know, as much as I wanted to stay and be a part of the team to to keep them up. Um, unfortunately, at that moment, the the sort of financial situation that they were in required that um, you know a sum of money which would sort of help stabilise the club for however long. And you know, I was grateful that you know I was able to leave and join Hulkier, but at the same time, sort of support the club that had given me so much. Yeah, Hulkies are always such a you know a great club, great passion, great passionate fans. Uh, what was it like settling in 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 that to, to that club? Yeah, obviously it was it was difficult coming in. So you know, so close to the end of the season, the sort of business end, but it was such a great group of lads. Did you know they welcomed me in straight away? And you know, I felt like I'd been there all season. I think we knew that 
each game was going to come thick and fast and because of the format, it meant so much. So, you know, I, I don't, not saying that they didn't have any other choice, but um, yeah, they welcomed me in like with open arms and we just sort of hit the ground running. Yeah, you won promotion with Old Kingston Rovers. Obviously, a fantastic success and another highlight to your career. Yeah, definitely. Um, probably the, the one of the, the special moments being, you know, a small part of, of that season for Hokear and, and that middle eights period. But to watch, you know, the, the sort of million pound game after that was, you know, the, we knew the pressure was off because we wanted to avoid you know, that sort of scenario. So it felt like it was a million pound game when the game against Widnes, obviously, thankfully, I could watch from the, the sideline, but, and um, you know, there was a sense of relief and, and huge, huge proud moment for, for the players, you know, for the fans that had stuck by them. Yeah. Um, obviously, you continued your good form in Super League and you were, you were called up for the England night quad. Uh, you toured, was it Papua New Guinea? Yeah, so that 2018 season, um, I think a few weeks in the, they made the announcement that they were bringing back the the sort of England Knights and that pathway for players, which at the time probably never thought, you know, I'd be a part of that. It was my first season in Super League, probably playing a lot more than I'd thought. But, you know, Tim had a lot of faith in myself and, you know, the other players to, to do the job. And, you know, we obviously survived, you know, relegation with the format again. But, yeah, to be a part of that England you know, night squad through the season was a you know a massive honour. But you know, I was lucky, obviously, at the end of the season then to to go on a tour to Papua New Guinea, which, as I've said, like with the South Africa tour, it was another sort of cherry on the on the top of the cake with um, you know special memories and probably the you know the first opportunity that I had, had to be in a group of players at that level that um, and go and tour you know down in Australia. Um, and over to Papua New Guinea. Yeah, like you said, uh, toured in South Africa, toured in Papua New Guinea. It what is it much of a difference sort of touring with the university students and touring with professionals? Is it, is it any different? It's probably a little bit more relaxed with the students. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, we'd contributed financially for you know different reasons, but I think the commitment within both groups was the same. You know, we wasn't going over there for a holiday. You know, there was moments that we'd enjoy. And we'd be allowed to enjoy that with the staff and um, as a group of lads. But there was one clear, you know, mission. We were going there to to take on two teams or two or three sides and and to win. It wasn't, you know, for a holiday. And so, yeah, I'd probably say that the the level of commitment and the intensity of sort of the rugby side of things was the same. But uh, probably off the field again, probably similar. <laughs> she says with that cheeky look on his face yeah. <laughs> the yeah. story's there but you're not willing to tell me <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe uh, maybe a couple um, but like I say you know we'd it's probably the end of the season for for the, the majority of the lads going into that England night tour so there was a bit of time and opportunities to blow off a little steam but the main priority was was those rugby games played for OKR for a couple of seasons then obviously Salford uh, became sort of on your radar um, what, what was that like? Obviously, Salford coming in for you. Yeah, um, it was it was a bit of a strange year. Obviously, in 2019, that you know Tim had left and and Tony had come in, and obviously the contract was finishing that season. And we, I was I was looking to stay in Hull, and you know I think that was clear at the beginning of the season that I was enjoying my time in Hull, and for a couple of different reasons, it didn't it didn't work out. And 
you know, I'd been speaking to Salford and I knew Watto and we'd had a good couple of conversations. He knew what I was like as a player and he knew that I wasn't coming with any expectations of, you know, a starting shirt or anything like that. It was, I was coming to to fight and, and sort of, that's what he was looking for in players that he wants that, you know, commitment. And as a club, Salford, you know, probably seen as a little bit of the underdogs, especially, you know, that season getting to the grand final, but it was for, thoroughly deserved. And we wanted to continue that with, you know, whatever players were, were staying and, and the new players that were coming in. Obviously, the season got interrupted due to the, the COVID situation. What was that like as a player, uh, having that season kind of like stopped and having to start again? And what, what did you end up doing during the break? Anything to keep your mind active? Yeah, I think it was it was really weird. Um, we'd obviously not long gone over to Catalan and, and played over there. So then to come back and, you know, we I think we played Wigan as our last game before we sort of went into lockdown. So... I mean, we'd, we'd travelled away, we'd, we'd been over there and we were talking about it and we were obviously well aware of what was going on, you know, over in Asia and the different places it was making its way closer to the UK. But we were just sort of getting on with things and training and, you know, we were speaking to the doctor constantly saying, what do you think, what do you think? And, you know, he, he was as well aware as, as us, but nothing had changed so you know, then to go into a lockdown and the season sort of be paused, come as a bit of a, a shock and as a surprise to us as, as much as the government um, and the rest of the country. So we sort of, as a group, we sort of, you know, all bought in together aside from the coaching because, you know, we were on lockdown, we were on furlough and, and different things. It was, you know, the club couldn't do much. So we had to get together as a group and say, look, we could be back playing in a month, two months, you know, a couple of weeks, whatever it is. So, we bought in as a group and started doing our own sessions, whether it be a little workout at home, in your back garden, in your bedroom, making the most of that hour outside of doing different running things and whatever we could could do. Because we knew once, you know, once we'd we'd get that call that we were coming back in training, we had to be ready because the season could be starting that week. And we wasn't sure what how long we were gonna get, you know, what the, the season was gonna look like. So we just had to continue and prepare as the best we could as a group of players because we wanted to be successful for Salford and for the fans. And, and how was that return when you actually got the nod? Because it's all kind of different now. You're on like a bubble, aren't you? Yes, yeah, so we obviously come back in. We had a, a sort of COVID test the first Monday or Tuesday that was possible. And we were waiting for, for that test to come back before we could then start training. Uh, the, the club and the RFL had agreed a protocol that we had to have two or three weeks training before the first game. Um, so that dictated sort of when and what date we were coming back in. And then from that, we just, we sort of hit the ground running really. I think because of the work that we'd done as a group of players, we could just get straight back into to playing a bit of rugby, get the balls out. And, and I think that showed probably that first game after lockdown that we did, we hit the ground, you know, as we sort of left it against Wigan. Yeah. Uh, you, you're kind of in competition with Kevin Brown and Tui Lola here for that half-back spot. Is it is it sort of friendly competition? Do you sort of learn off each other to become better players? Yeah, obviously there's, you know, a real sort of competition between us, the three of us, as you've said. Obviously Tui's, you know, a, a probably a completely different player to, to like me, me, myself and Kev, um, who like to probably control things a little bit more. And Tui, 
you know, he's he's got that running game and, you know, off the cuff, his skill levels, you know, second to none really. So we want to sort of give him as much ball as we can um, in the in those opportunities where he's on the front foot. Um, and then yeah, me and Kev, um, obviously Kev's had, you know, a, an amazing career playing in however many finals and obviously playing for England, you know, in the previous World Cup. So, you know, Kevin Kev's brought a lot to the to the club, not just with his playing ability, but you know the the options and the conversations we had about you know how we should play and and what options we should be taking. So you know me and Tui um, are probably learning from Kev more so than the other way around. But I think we've all got an opinion and we're all creating you know questions that pose to each other that we need to you know answer and and why we're doing things to a, to make us better as a as a player but as a team. Yeah, we we are an opportunity club, and we took full opportunity of that that uh, the lockdown. Uh, fantastic season. We got to a, a sort of a Challenge Cup final. What what was the what was the mood like in the squad? Did you actually sort of think to yourselves, you know, what this could be it? This could be our year. Yeah, definitely. We had you know a really good you know outlook on the the team moving forward in the league, and um, obviously the cup was was undecided. But you know we we sort of spoke about it that it's three games, you know. You don't even in a in normal season, you still could play more than three games. You might play less, but we knew that it was going to be three Super League opposition that we could beat on our day. We'd proven that in the past, and we just had to go out there each each game as we were doing in the league and and perform and leave nothing else out there but you know a hundred percent effort. And if we won the game, we would go to the next round and we would we would see. You know, take that next opportunity, and you know we were very fortunate that you know those two games against Catalan and Warrington, we you know we we sort of hung in there, we were resilient and sort of didn't give in, and and that showed. We obviously didn't start the games really well, but we never went away. And obviously, at the end of the eighty minutes and golden point, we we come out on top. Yeah, obviously, no fans allowed it in the in the in the stadiums, uh, Chris. Do, do you miss that sort of the atmosphere and 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 everything? Definitely. We spoke about it since we we come back from lockdown and obviously up until the last game uh, last week that I think at first we just wanted to get back playing and we didn't miss the fans too much. It was we we knew right. Hopefully it's only going to be a couple of weeks, so we just sort of got on with it. But you know, as the season went on, as the cases started to rise again and we started going into lockdown, we realised that probably you know those fans aren't going to be coming back anytime soon so it was disappointing really because we started with the the hope that they would be back and by the end of the season you you're missing the fans definitely you know the the fans the reception you get before and after the games and those moments when you're defending your try line or you know holding on to those games they play a massive part and you know for the few games that I've played in front of the Salford fans they're definitely you know one of the loudest and and uh, to help the team. Yeah, obviously looking forward to sort of 2021 and beyond. What's your sort of personal ambitions for for, for Salford? Uh, are you looking to kind of force yourself into that starting 17? Yeah, it's going to be you know the same again. Obviously building on on the finish that I had to the season. I know Kev was out injured, but you know I got an opportunity to to go out and perform. Sort of not put too much pressure on myself, but. You know, I want. I still wanted to perform well, whether it was, you know, there was someone biting for me, my shirt behind me, or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it was about performing and finishing the season well for you know the likes of Mark Flanagan and you know those sort of players that were, were leaving the club. Your Gil, your Joey, 
who had you know, given a lot for that over the last couple of years for the club. Um, so we wanted to finish the season well and you know hit the ground running for next season. And I think that showed, you know, in the last last couple of games that we were there, you know, fully committed and and we wanted to finish the season well and not be you know remembered for for that last game that we turned out as being a poor one. Um, so yeah, look really looking forward now to to having a break, um, letting the body you know recover, heal up, and and sort of hit the ground running, ready for for hopefully um, a back to normal season in 2021. Yeah, obviously rugby players usually in off season goals sort of go on holiday, don't they? Go all around the the world. You see you see people on Twitter. Uh, what what does a, a COVID off season look like? Sitting the house watching telly. Yeah, probably um, <laughs> trying to make the most of, of that bit of time you can get out in the in the daytime. You know, going on a couple of walks and just trying to rest up really, but stay stay a little bit active. You know, maybe look for look for a, a holiday in December if we can if we're lucky enough to be able to go away. So, sort of keeping our options open. But you know, I think like with everyone um, in the country at the minute, we're just sort of ticking over. You know, getting by each day and and doing what we can. Um, just doing the little things and trying to stay in some sort of routine and some sort of shape, ready for training again at some point. Yeah, uh, you still got sort of ambitions to play at the international level. Uh, definitely, and I obviously spoke about that with with what all the you know, beginning of the season with the club of of what my ambitions are. I don't I don't just want to come here and and be happy to to be playing week in week out. For me, I, I want to be playing my best rugby every week. And if I am playing week in, week out, then I've, I've, I've got to be doing that. And if at the end of the season or whenever it is that, you know, honours come, then that's, again, cherry on the on the top of the cake because, you know, you need to be playing week in, week out. You need to be playing your best rugby and you need to be winning games um, to get that recognition, which will only benefit me and the club moving forward. Yeah, Lee, Lee Mossop talks about uh, sort of culture at the club and now you all want to win. Um, do, you, do you see obviously the the success of sort of this year building on that and, and everyone going again uh, next year to that next level and possibly winning something? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you just look at the recognition, you know, for, from the club that you know some of the lads have got with the international. You've got Cal, who's you know an international centre, Sarge, international centre, or, or the way he's played at fullback could easily fit in that position. Um, and Niall, obviously, who's leaving, but you know we're bringing in that quality of player now and for the club that's that's only a good thing and you know I think the fans that are stuck by the club especially this year we've even not been able to come to games you know that proves that the club are doing something right off the field and and that's reaping the rewards on the field now with the, the recognition for the players so you know we want to be successful again you know we've been in two finals the club you know in the last two seasons but being unfortunate to, to sort of come up short so you know, that's the ambition again to be getting to those finals, but we want to go one step further now and sort of win something. Yeah, bit of fun to, to finish, uh, Chris. Um, tell us who your funniest teammate is at Salford. I think the well, one of the funniest blokes probably Joey, uh, obviously leaving at the end of the season, but he's always, you know, got something to say and full of energy and just, you know, bouncing off, you know, all the different lads, but he seems to be at the centre uh, of most of the things. So, yeah, Joey's always up to something. Uh, who's your smartest teammate? Ooh, there's probably a few at, at Salford that, that like to think they're smart and with different different things, but probably uh, smartest. Um, probably 
Gil or Tyrone, both of them could have done or come through a, a university background and, you know, always talking about a couple of different things. I think you've got the likes of Mark, Flanagan, Kevin and Musu who obviously have got their own business adventures. So in their respective field, they probably like to think they're smart as well. Who's the, who's the fittest in the squad? Physically fittest? There's quite a few. I think some of the, like you say, some of the training that we were done in lockdown, there was some phenomenal scores, you know, for like your 5Ks or your Bronco test. Um, Sarge, and he was training the house down in lockdown and I think 18, around 18, 19 minutes, a 5K. Um, and then there was some some ridiculous you know, Bronco tests, um, which is one of the, the rugby league most loved training sessions. Um, some scores there, but yeah, probably Sarge or you've got the likes of Joey and probably Yatesy that do do the 80 minutes in the middle and do it tough. For the uneducated amongst us, what's the what's Bronco? So the Broncos, they're 20 metre back, 40 metre back, 60 metre back, five oh. times. I'm not sure where the name comes from, um, but... Yeah, the A is sort of five, 20, 40, 60s in five minutes. Yeah, you um, probably, probably do that in about six weeks. Some of the lads were posting four, four 30s around that, 420, 430. They're sort of the, the top, top end scores. Wow. And, and the final one, who's the last one out of the changing room? The last one out of the changing room. Um, there's, just, there's a few that, that knock around in the changing room or at training last, I think. There's, there's a little fight between himself, Inu and Tyrone of, of who like to be last out of the changing room for a game. Tyrone finished the season um, winning that battle. But yeah, there's there's a few knocking out um, you know, longest in the shower and things like that. So probably there's different different people in different days. <laughs> I'm talking about getting the, sort of the last one out before the match. Is there like a tactic involved in that? Do you always sort of have to ruffle in your, your kit bag to make sure that everyone's left before you leave or...? Are you just waiting for them to go before you? There's, go? there's, there's always one or two knocking about in the toilet or you know, <laughs> grabbing a, a last bit of a strapping or whatever it is. But we tend to stand our ground and not go, even if we are a couple of couple of meters or a couple of seconds behind the, the person in front. Where we don't tend to move without that last person going before us. Brilliant! Big thanks for joining us, Chris. It's been it's been great talking to you. Cheers, Rob. Thanks for having me. Cheers. That was Chris Atkin telling us all about his career at career fantastic career and uh, certainly playing well for the Silver Red Devils big thanks for tuning in to this week's uh, Devil in Detail I'm Aaron Parkinson you can find us on Facebook Devil in Detail SRD you can find us on Twitter at DITD SRD and you can find us on SoundCloud iTunes Radio Contact and Spotify see you next week Ha, 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 ha.